1: Find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. I am excited to be in the mountains of Park City, Utah. So been west uh, for a bit, my family and friends, and I'm hoping some of the clean air and tranquility is um, passing over the uh, airwaves to you. And I'm excited to welcome our first caller today from Boston, Diane from Boston. Diane, thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Molly. How are you? fantastically. Appreciate you making time. Uh, What, uh, say it skillfully, sort of situations on your
2: mind today? Um, So I have um, an issue at work where I am responsible for a group of people um, and and their supervisor in particular, but I don't have any legitimate authority (laughs) over the supervisor. Um, And this person might be described as difficult to get along with. Um, They have a very impressive record and um, some intellectual property that is sort of the essence of their work group, Um, but they have not had a lot of leadership experience or management experience, and they had very rapid growth of their team. Um, and along with that came many, many uh, personal <laughs> challenges. Um, and so I've tried to coach as much as possible. Um, but there are still there's still a lot of tension, um, you know a lot of unhappiness with the subordinates, and they come to me and complain about things. Um, and so when I try to delicately coach the supervisor and explain um, you know, here are some things that we're hearing and also being delicate about protecting people's confidence because they're nervous about being able to keep their jobs. The supervisor's not particularly receptive. They don't see um, that... This is how they're being perceived. They try to find fault in everyone else. They're very defensive. Uh, and then I become the villain um, in in all of the situations with my boss because I'm not controlling the situation, um, with the supervisor because I'm telling them things they don't want to hear, with the subordinates because they feel that the um, situation isn't improving fast enough. Uh, so I'm sort of in this <laughs> really uh, difficult place where... I, I don't have a lot of control over how things happen, um, uh, but at the same time, everyone's looking to me to fix the problem.
1: Wow. I appreciate your willingness to, to be part of the solution, and I'm hearing, well, no good deed goes unpunished. You're trying to do your best to help out and getting hammered for it. So I think a lot of our listeners can probably relate to that uh, colleague that's um, deep inside uh, well-intentioned, I'm going to assume, and uh, outwardly we have to work it. So um, a few thoughts here. Um, and just first, so I know, how long has this supervisor been with the organization, Diane? Um,
2: so a little over a year, but they started out, it was just this the person and like an assistant. And rapidly over the last year, because of a funding opportunity, they've grown to an organization of about 10 people. Um, and it's and it's been a creative way, like sort of outside the normal HR process um, of how these roles have been filled. Uh, and they're all on what we would call in my industry, soft money. So if the supervisor doesn't continue to go out and fundraise and be successful in that way, then none of these people will have jobs. so so their livelihood is tied to this. And as you would imagine, you know some of that uncertainty, uh, adds to
1: the tension. Wow. A really high stakes environment for everyone. Okay. Yeah. Let's start with a doozy today. So um, a few thoughts. <laughs> yeah. This is great. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I, we're going to find a way to help you help everyone. A few principles just to, to take a step back. And I think that the notion of positive intention and everyone wanting to do the right thing, even though it may not be coming mm-hmm. across is an important energy We've talked about these meta skills on the show, the energy that Diane shows up with, which is that, you know, we know mm-hmm. people want to do the right thing, positive, the notion of partnership. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. two scenarios. One is going to be Diane and the supervisor, and one is going to be the whole system. So let me just tackle mm-hmm. the whole system concept first, because in this whole notion of you know, transparency, is our friend and that we have different realities, and, you know, who, you know, I have mine, you have yours, we think we're right, the supervisor has his or hers, they think they're right. Um, So, uh, introducing that concept is potentially a notion of education, and it sounds like, you know, you've gone in there and you've tried, and things aren't where we'd want them to be. So, it is a chance Mm -hmm. to do a restart, and, you know, you'd want to, prep this with the supervisor um, as a principal, but just start to say, you know, part of our role, this is the leadership behaviors. Ellen Mullally is a, a, a real um, hero mm-hmm. of mine. And just saying, these are the behaviors that we'd expect. And as a mm-hmm. peer, so approaching this, I'm just gonna name this person. Sure. John. John, you know, listen, listen you're, I like you. I, I see your impressive resume. And, and, I, mm-hmm. and I really want you to be wildly successful. Mm-hmm. And a vulnerability that you could offer. So vulnerability is a must for trust is saying, you know, I'm I feel bad. I've been trying really hard and I'm failing. I'm not mm-hmm. doing what I need to do. And that's a moment of what? Like and so to try to get that at a one-on-one, eye-to-eye level. Mm-hmm. And just see if the person will bite a bit. Mm-hmm. So that's I you know, and I'm sure you've tried various ways, but the ability to t- to talk about how that I'm I'm not doing the right thing. I'm really frustrated. It's on me. And then, you know, I don't to the extent that you know this person, if there's a some way to help them appreciate that they're they may have a very firm view that feels like a fact. And it's just Mm -hmm. and you can use the car accident thing where people like every ten people see an accident, they see it different ways. And the question would be, John, are you open? Just open to the fact that this may not be landing with others the way it is. I'm not saying mm-hmm. you're not right or wrong. And just see if you can nudge that way. So that's mm-hmm. an angle to, to work at. And, and then to connect the dots for people and saying, look, at I. what we really want is we want your team to be able to come to you and share with, mm-hmm. with you. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm just here to tell you that I don't want to be in the middle here. If I were you, gosh, desperately, I would want my people to feel comfortable with me, that sort uh-huh, of uh-huh. really vulnerable, real conversation. And that will probably bring out a lot of potential myths about leader. I have the answer. I'm always right. You know, right I've got all these right. people. I must be successful. So the opportunity for you to unpack where he's at. Now, working this directly with him, that's one angle. These, all these great people are coming to you and you're saying, look, at, okay, this is the deal. Does he know how you feel? No. Okay. Well, is that his fault? And then this Mm -hmm. is the all part of the problem, all part of the solution without Mm -hmm. making anyone mad. And you, and you can say, look, I appreciate, I appreciate that this person may not receive things really well and coach people on how they might be able to extend Mm -hmm. some ability and help Mm -hmm. this person realize that, wow. um, You know, it's not just one, it's not just two How can we, and that notion of we want to be wildly successful and I would, this vulnerability of if we don't raise the money, we go down together. I mean, that's a very big thing and that's Mm -hmm. not a good or bad or right or wrong to me. It's a fact and helping people not be afraid of talking about that and just saying that's a lot. I call that the low dream, the low dream. We wouldn't want that to happen. The high dream is what we want to have happen and how can we rally Mm -hmm. around that and the, The the times where I've seen it really crumble is when you get a lot of point to point. One person talks to one person, one person talks to another one person. You've got all these separate connections. And to the extent people realize that that telephone tag kind of game is, I mean, it is a lot of organizations run that way, by the way. So I don't want to make that completely that it doesn't work. It just can really extend timelines and then you get a lot of misunderstanding. So let me just pause for a second there. How's that landing for you?
2: Um, that's definitely helpful um, it It follows on um, you know some of the things that I have attempted to do. One of the real challenges is um, that the subordinates are mostly very young. Um, some of them this is their first job out of college and uh, and they rely on the supervisor um, like. Or one one or two examples they're applying to graduate schools, mm-hmm. so they need this person's uh, recommendation and they are so afraid to be honest about anything difficult because they are they are convinced it's going to tank their chances of going to grad school or getting a good recommendation so um, that's like some more of the underlying detail um, but i I do think the the opportunity to like be vulnerable with them and let them, you know, remind them again and again that I, am, that we are all interested in their success and that this is a process and it's not I'm not just like magically going to wave a wand and uh, make someone <laughs> a leader um, that does everything perfectly overnight. I think is uh, is really good advice.
1: You know, I appreciate your bringing this at another part of the low dream, right? Oh my gosh, I'm not going to get a positive recommendation from my mm-hmm. boss that I don't care for <laughs> to go to this school so I can get out of here. So that low dream, and again, to be creative, I'm, I'm obviously not there, but that sort of dynamic that's out there, being transparent with a person and and saying, you know, this, is, this could be going on. And I understand the confidentiality, so you might have to mm-hmm. really just mm-hmm. make it safe and say, gosh, John, could, could you imagine what that would feel like? And you could use real names. Use, sure, use sure. his boss, right? And just say, right. and just see if, and, and and see if you can really get to him. Because if if you could get him to say, and you know, you can play me in groups. You know, we're all part of the problem. We're all part of the solution. John, let me just ask you honestly: How do you think you're part of the problem?
0: And, sure, and just, sure. And just say,
1: well, well, I'm uh, John. Look. Like, yeah. You know, from top, top CEO, any industry, every, everyone's got something that they're doing and see if you can get him to go there. And the reason I say that is if, if you can get him to go there, because he doesn't necessarily, and I'm just saying he's a he, I don't know that that's a fact, he's she, you could facilitate a session, right? You could be the neutral person mm-hmm. and say, gosh, we're mm-hmm. here because we want this high dream. I mean, just imagine what it's going to look like when all the cylinders are cranking. And right. then to have them bubble up, uh, uh, um, how do they, you know, what's going on for people, have them get to understanding, you know, and have, just say, mm-hmm. uh, we, this is an opportunity for you to show your vulnerability and to be really real. And vulnerability is a must for trust. I mean, the Brene Brown, sure, you know, you're sure. curious, all this stuff. I know it can be hard for people, just, but if you can kind of start to find some chinks in the armor, that might be a way that um, – that the, the system can come together. Because I want to encourage right. for listening, you know, it's not Diane's problem to solve. I know people are looking to you to put the cape on with the sure. mask and fly through right. the tour or be Elastigirl or whatever. And it, it can also, when people think that, you can start to feel like it's like on me. And that's a lot of pressure
2: for right, any one right, person right.
1: to realize, yeah. yeah, right. And so I think that to the extent that you're really helping everyone own this, we're all part of the problem. Not making you a bad person. However, sure. there are behaviors, right, that we're not necessarily coming forth with and um, creating a way for, for that, that mutual responsibility. I found this. And when a leader says, gosh, I'm, I'm part of the problem, that just is a, mm-hmm. just a giant lightning bolt for all the people. Right. Are this person's real and sure. not perfect. Yeah. And that's signaling for me. Um, sure. I, I am kind of curious when you approach him, can you give me some of the wording when you've gone to this person, what, what comes back to you? I'm uh, seriously, and specifically, Oh, you Diana, know, Diane, I hear like, you, but what, like, what is he, what are the, she, he or she come back with?
2: Um, so a lot of defense, a lot of um, defensiveness uh, that, well, this person is saying this about me because they don't do good work and I call them out on their inability to do work. Um, so that's their, generally their response. Um, so, you know, it's not me, it's them. Uh, and then the other side of the story from the people, you know, the sort of subordinates who all work together is uh, the, the supervisor is very good at sort of dividing and conquering people and, and focusing on people's weaknesses to make them feel bad about themselves. Uh, I mean, it, it's a huge challenge for me um, as somebody who is more, uh, you know, on the leadership side of things. This is a very technical group, and these are not people who have had a lot of uh, education and training about interacting um, with human beings. So, it's a lot of learning by doing, um, but also not necessarily a willingness to take that responsibility, which I am freely willing to say, I'm also part of the problem. I'm just not getting that out of the supervisor. They are looking to point the finger at everybody else. Um, And not only the people uh, that they're they're responsible for, they look to um, sort of the administrative burdens being placed on them. And it's basically doing things according to policy and the right way and asking permission rather than asking forgiveness. Um, so it's kind
1: of a hot mess. Before I get back to working with this person, let me ask, what are the supervisors? Because this may be a person you need to play hardball with. I'm just throwing that out there, mm-hmm. right? How, what are the supervisors' bosses? Presumably the bosses can, can affect this person's behavior. I'm just curious where the actual bosses are on this.
2: Yeah. So situation. interestingly, um, this, the bosses, the actual person who would have hiring and firing, uh, would, would never take any, they are very interested in keeping this person happy because of this intellectual property that they have and the, uh, potential for, um, a, tremendous revenue coming in with this person. Uh, so they basically look to me to say, hey, this is what we hired you for. You have to manage this.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. can I, Are they willing to be a part of the solution? I mean, genuinely, would they be willing to, you know, again, we're not trying to have a wholesale. They're going to come fully, right. but are they willing to, to take some level of, Stewardship, if you will, of the situation.
2: Um, that's a tough question. Uh, probably not, <laughs> because you know, back to the point that I raised about they think that that this is what they hired me for, and if I can't solve this mm-hmm. problem, then what? What? What am I? What's my role?
1: Yeah, that's a that is a really tough one. So my heart's <laughs> out to you for that. The the folks that. It. Yeah, that the the folks that have that sort of thing, which, you know, I can say you can say, look, that's your prerogative, and you could float out there. If there were one or two things that would help, um, that they could do, and I don't know what those are, and ask that, and then mm. connect the dots in the sense that, so you're a leader of this organization, like we all are. Mm-hmm. So this all ref- this reflects on all of us. I know you want to hold me accountable. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever right. you want to do, right? But I'm just saying, it doesn't look great. For you either, and imagine that one of right. these kids, one of these employees, is your grandkid. And right to the yeah, extent that you can yeah. personalize this in a big way, and and it's a bit of a vulnerability for you because you might ever say, oh, you know, you want to shoot holes at me, shoot holes at me. I mean, I'm okay with that. Right. You no, know, right, just right. just that's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, be the big girl, and you know, I think calling them on that and saying, I have to be really upfront, the behavior I'm seeing here, and call out the behavior, not them as leaders. This is the behavior. Would our Mm -hmm. president, whatever the group person, is that what the group Mm -hmm. person would want us to be modeling? And so just turn the light squarely on us as leaders and create some tension and a little bit of anxiety and be transparent Mm -hmm. about it. Because, you know, and for all folks listening, you know, we have a chance to be the change we want to see in the world. Sure. Sure. And for you to be in a place, and I'm hearing, do the right thing. You're not saying you're perfect, but here you are. And mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. for you to kind of feel like you're pushing mud uphill, at some point, you know, you could get it. It's, it. it's, but is that really you? And so the chance to for you to lead and be your true self is one of the best ways to enroll others in that. So I just offer that as a maybe right. Right. encouragement point. Well,
2: I'm a little hopeful because I did. We did recently hire. Uh, to people that are a little more experienced within the group. So even though that person um, is still their supervisor, uh, I have told them they can come to me freely uh, and we'll try to problem-solve around it and um, you know, do a two-pronged attack, uh, if you will, or at least approach on trying to shape the situation. So that's one uh, point of optimism for me. Uh, and then the other one is later this week, we do have uh, sort of a check-in meeting with my boss um, and the supervisor, and so my boss is a peer of their actual, the person who has legitimate authority over them, and so some perhaps he can be uh, a sounding board to some of this and listen to you know various steps that we've taken and uh hopefully try to influence the situation as well. So that's what's on the horizon of, of moving forward in the near term.
1: Well, that's huge. So here's an idea for you just to think about this. So this notion of shared reality, lots of times I've used this scale of 1 to 10. And so if you think about, um, it, and let's just presume, and maybe I'm going on a limb, but that you want to be able to create safe space. I mean, there's a lot of work on psychological safety. Which mm-hmm. is trust, and mm-hmm. to be able to say, you know, let's, you know, I think it's important. Is this is organization wide that all of our folks feel like they can share what they need to share, including the unpopular things. And a question might be, you know, to what extent do we feel when the group's together, the people are feeling really free to say what they think needs to be said? This is your subjective, but you know, and then ask the question, right, right, and then have that come out, and so. It's pretty hard, you know, for the person to say 10, okay, would you be like, wow, yeah. that's fast to say more. I, right, I just right. think that for getting folks to quantify and then why mm-hmm. is that, it's about that situation. And then, again, the next question is, well, what are we doing that's creating it, even if it's not intentional? But that transparency of, mm-hmm. well, Diane thinks it's a four and you think mm-hmm. it's a seven and a half, you know, and and – yeah, it, it, it just creates a little bit of objectivity, even though I know it's subjective on the numbers. Um, and mm-hmm. and I, if you can get to a state where folks, and I've done this with teams, if you just say, this is a question, to what extent do you feel like you can, the group is saying what needs to be said, and then to what extent mm-hmm. are you personally, those two numbers, those are the mm-hmm. very big numbers, and say, look, I need you to be honest, we're just going to average out the numbers, no one's going to know who said what. That mm-hmm. then as a leader... Mm-hmm. You just you can just put that out and say, "Hey, hey," you know. Tell me, what do you think it feels like for your team?
2: Mhm, mhm.
1: And we're getting to this whole task versus so this is a person that can get get answer. You know, I am smart. I'm this. I'm that. And, and you know, one of the things that I'll talk about in a bit on the show is just that value of relating to people and mm-hmm. to be able to be who you really are and um, sure and say it. You know, so. Uh, this is, so I'm, I'm kind of leaning forward on pins and needles. Will you let me know how it goes?
2: I absolutely will let you know how it works out.
1: So um, I, we've chatted about, is there a particular top takeaway or thought that you're leaving with that you'd share with us, Diane?
2: Yeah, I think, um, you know, taking this sort of a comprehensive, um, uh, looking at all of the various parts. Um, and trying to come up with a holistic solution that feels authentic, I think is, is my big takeaway. So I'm re-energized to go back in there. Uh, You know, certainly before the holidays, I was, um, I was feeling a little bit um, dejected about all of this. And so I was perhaps being a little averse to trying to take it head on, but, but I'm, feel like I have a new sense of purpose and I'm determined to go and try to make a positive impact.
1: I appreciate you for that. I am cheering for you and I want you to feel great about you because you're doing something most people don't even have the courage to try to do. I'm here to support you. Um, Let me know if there's anything I can do and most of all, Diane, thank you for being part of the solution. Fantastic. Before we go to break, um, following up on Diane's chat, I had a wonderful weekend with the Marshall Goldsmith uh, 100 Coaches group. and we had the, the gift of listening to a number of great speakers, one of whom was Harry Kramer, who is the former CEO of Baxter International. He is a great story in that he started he had a 22-year career, literally started out, you know early on, early career, right out of school and worked his way up to the very top job as well as chairman of the company. He's also now a beloved professor at the Kellogg School of Management. And he and actually a friend, Bruce Kazanoff, who was on the show early on, wrote a post today. So you can check that out on LinkedIn. And he had a really just so simple way of thinking about leading. And he said the first thing was you have to relate. And it's this relationship dimension. And if if you can find a way to look someone in the eye and relate to them at whatever level, maybe then I have a hope of influencing that person, which is fundamental to be able to lead that person. So I just want to throw out this notion of say it skillfully, there's an end to the conversation. There may be something you want to do at the core to simplify it for yourself. If you can find a way to relate to that person at a human level, that uh, is super powerful I had a conversation yesterday with someone who, you know, is very, very like super power of cutting to the chase and can synthesize information. And when he listens to you, it was very intent and it's fabulous, except that it can be almost a little intimidating. So I said, you know, how about if you just, I mean, just crack a little bit of a smile, soften your face. So as you're approaching conversations, think about, you know, how how physically do I look? You know, what is my demeanor? And can that be something that I can um, uh, amp up in a way so that I'm going to be better received by the person. So that relating to help influence and lead was one point from Harry. He has something about values-based leadership, and there were these principles. And I want to extract from these four principles because they're really gems about being a great human and leading ourselves. Leading ourselves because that's where it starts first, and that's where, as we know, we say it skillfully, it's about being in good relationship with myself. What's going on for me? So his four points were first. Self self reflection, right? Being able to think about what's going on objectively, not beat myself up for it, think about what went well, what didn't go well, what what would I do differently tomorrow, and and making that an ongoing process. So, self reflection. The second was the balance of perspectives. Now, and say it skillfully, we're trying to hear all voices, including the unpopular ones. So, just really leaning into the fact that I might have a very strong belief, I might see people with very strong beliefs. Part of my role is to, can I just ask, are we hearing all the different viewpoints? The third piece that we brought up was true self-confidence. And not arrogance, not arrogance, but that is getting to say, you know, you're a good person inside. You have a positive intention. Maybe you are wrong, but you really are a good person having positive intention and being confident in yourself that you'll find a way. You're going to make mistakes. Let's hope you are making mistakes because that shows signs of growth, and the whole opportunity is creating uh, new mistakes, making new mistakes. And the last thing that Harry shared with just being really genuinely, you know, really triple underline the genuine humility. And that humbleness for him, um, he had a very moving story about how he grew up and just the ability to remember where'd you come from? And uh, why, you know, when you've been successful, why have you been successful? And sure, you may have had hard work and all. Uh, for most all of us, uh, luck came into play of values imbued by parents, support from other people, uh, timing, all of that comes in, and being uh, truly uh, humble to the fact that a lot of the universe happens and sets us up to be in the right place at the right time um, and to to appreciate that. And before the break, the last thing I'll close, and I thought this was genius, he had a metaphor about roots, the roots of a tree, the tree in the forest. And when you think about communicating to people, you may be in the roots and really in the weeds. Um, and the people may really need to, to hear the forest. And so when you think about communicating, you know, the roots, the tree, and the forest, the ability to know where you are and to appreciate where other people are and what do they need to be able to um, um, hear um, and learn from you might be a way to help think about your communications. So we will go off to a quick quick break now. You're listening to Say It Skillfully. I'm your host, Molly Chang. I'll be back live with you shortly.
3: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: Our sponsor for this show is CEO Works, the value coaching company. CEO Works is an executive advisory education company that advances the work of human capital. I've partnered with them on client projects, certified as a value coach myself, and seen the impacts firsthand. They have a unique approach to creating value quickly through talent. By identifying the most critical roles, Designing the roles, then powering them up with the right, incredible talent, their model coaches the ecosystem all around the talent to produce leaps in value. Their focus is not only on the talent, but also on the role-talent combination. The CEO Works team believes we can improve the world by improving business. I encourage you to find out more at ceoworks.com.
3: When it comes to business, you'll find
2: the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: You're listening to Say It Skillfully featuring your host, Molly Chang. To reach the show today, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or join the conversation on LinkedIn and Twitter with the hashtag Say It Skillfully. Now back to your program.
1: Welcome back. I am delighted to welcome a dear, dear friend to today's show, Robert Weir, and first and foremost, one of the most warm, kind, thoughtful human beings I know, proud father of two, and a three-time Olympian in the discus, elite-level athlete and coach. Robert, thank you for making time to join me today on Say It Skillfully.
3: Well, thank you for having me.
1: So I have so many questions I could um, ask you on the coaching that I think would be great for listeners um, but on the theme of this the show I the way I know you I almost can't imagine that you struggle with any of your interactions with other human beings because you're so you're so amazing at it um, but I am curious do you have a situation um, conversation that you might struggle with uh, that we could talk about today
3: well as a matter of fact uh, I, I do I have Uh, conversations um, with athletes on an ongoing basis. And what it really comes down to is helping them define who they are, what role they're going to play, and how they can improve the situation not only for themselves but for their team. Uh, And invariably what I find is that um, the way that they see themselves and the way that they actually are are two different things. And usually they see themselves not as good as they could be, and, and so my, my role in many ways, is to instill in them a level of confidence, a level of trust and a, and a level of belief in themselves so that they can start to function at, a, at their true potential. And, and so the conversations they usually begin to be somewhat negative at first, but then it's really a matter of understanding where they are and what they're trying to achieve, and helping them and helping them achieve those goals first. And then as soon as they achieve those goals, which they didn't think they could do, now they, now they find themselves having the confidence to, to try the next level. And then once they surprise the next level, now we're in a working relationship, whereas they're working with me rather than working against me because they thought they couldn't do something, only to look back and realize they've surpassed it. And, and so in some ways, my role, I feel, is, is one where I provide a level of support, a level of ongoing communication, and a level of ongoing reinforcement of the positive things that they're doing to the extent that they start to realize for themselves that they can achieve. And this has been very, very positive because in many ways, you're turning someone mm-hmm. who has a negative view of themselves into a very strong, positive view. And then in in their, own, in their own way, they become the role model for the younger people on the team to help establish that, you know, if I can do this, you can too, and let me show you how I did it. And so we're in an environment now where where not only am I teaching them, but they're teaching others and leading by example.
1: I love it. I love it. And I think, you know, for me, and I'm a big tennis fan for folks who know me, so it's always amazing to me. People, they're at the very, very pinnacle. Couldn't In some cases, really, no one's better. And they have self-doubt. They don't think they're doing enough. And for me, you know what, I think it's so crazy that they could be there and just hearing you, that's what you're faced with literally all the time one way I might, I might um, capture that is you're asking those folks to look at themselves and be their best friend not their worst enemy
3: yes yes and, and, and to do that uh, I've had to do it in baby steps because what I've found is, is uh, telling them outright what they what they're capable of the look of disbelief but telling them that they only have to take the first little step to improvement. And then they can take the next step after that. Seems a lot more confident and be able to take the next little step, rather than thinking they have to take this huge leap. And so what they what they don't understand at first is that those little steps. When they look back over a period of time, has resulted in the huge leap that they didn't think they could do. And to see the change in their confidence level, to see the change in the way that they approach things, is really quite astonishing. And I think also one of the more important things is. Is what you're doing is empowering people and giving them the ability to say, you know, I may not be able to do this, but let's see how close I can come to achieving this goal. I mean, and most of the and most of the times, they're a lot closer than they realize, and in some cases, they surpass those goals too.
1: I love what you've created there. So let's see how let's see how far we can go, as opposed to boy, we didn't get there, we failed, and that ability and the language is important for some people. You know, black and white may be a motivating thing for some people. Um, and then for others that think that, deal. let's try this. Let's see how it goes. I just have to share, you know, I don't have a great serve. But when I say on my second serve, you know, I'm just going to give this a shot. Those serves are amazing. When, when I say, oh, you got to make this go in, it doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't go as well. And it's really fascinating, the power of the language. I mean, one of the things I've really admired about you is your ability to be very concise and with kind, warm words inspire. So did you, how did you learn that? It's a real gift.
3: Brian. Well, well in, in some ways, you can, you can say from trial and error, but over time, you realize that there's already enough pressure. The, the last thing, or the one thing you don't want to do is add to that pressure. So what I did was I redirected that pressure into, let's just give this a try, or just take this step and see if it works. You know, I said, you got nothing to lose at this point. And so it takes the pressure off that person. And at the same time with taking the pressure off them, it gives them the confidence of actually going out and trying something in a little step, but they're trying And once that becomes successful, then they feel a little bit more confident in taking the next step. And it builds and it grows upon itself. And then my role in many ways is to reinforce to them that they've gone beyond what they thought they could do. And, and let's just find out, how much further you can go. I said, you know, you may be at your limits, but you may not. But we won't know unless you take the next step. And so that, is, that has been part of the, the metamorphosis and the change in their abilities and the confidence. And, and, and before you know it, you, you see young men and women attempting things that they didn't think were possible before. And, and in many cases, succeeding. And the biggest thing that I can think of when I reflect back is I didn't realize at the time that, my little words here and there were just giving them the confidence to say, if this doesn't work, it's okay, rather than if this doesn't work, you failed. It's more like, if this doesn't work, it's okay. We'll find the other way to see if we can get it to work. And that seems to have been the key um, in getting people to unlock their minds and to give themselves the best chance of success.
1: It's fantastic. Have you had situations where you really didn't think they could do it? You've you kind of say, "Well, um, I'm just going to yeah. fake it that they can." I mean, where, how, how often does that happen?
4: Well, what,
3: what usually happens is, what usually happens is, is that you are first bowing out, and you think, "Well, I don't think they can do that." But what you do is you build all the other areas surrounding that. So if you so if there if there's six or seven things that that they need to, to be able to do in order to do the eighth thing, and the eighth thing is the one thing they don't think they can do. Well, once you've, if you've done all the steps. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Then eight is the next logical step, and then you change it from and then you change it from eight to nine. So that now they're no longer thinking about eight; they're thinking about nine. So before you know it, they surpass eight. And I've I've found I found that when you give somebody um, the first two stepping stones, and they realize their stepping stones are um, were achievable, then they have the confidence to take the next step and then the next step, and before you know it have already stepped beyond where they thought they could go. And beyond where I thought they could go. And so the thing is, I never tell them, you can't do this. I just say, let's see how close. Because telling them how close we can come to the to the, to the dog um, gives them the, more of an effort to try. You know, I said, do you think you can do a little bit more here? Coach, I think I can do a little bit more. In fact, I think I could do a lot more. And in some cases, no, Coach, I don't think I can. All right, well, let's just stay here for now. And let's see how it progresses. And then one day they come back. Coach, I've done this enough times. I think I can take the next step. So really, in many ways, it's a combination of building the confidence, perseverance, and working smart so you can identify the key components that's going to help you become successful. And once you've identified those things, then you work at all of those three areas. And before you know it, you've moved closer to, or in some instances, beyond the goal that you originally set.
1: It's amazing. It's amazing i, I want to shift gears and focus a little bit about you and you know winning medals top of the game amazing coach and yet you know you've really continued to grow and i want to give a chance to brag a little bit about you because you told me this amazing story because here you are in more of a track and field environment and had the chance at stanford when you were there to coach some names that people may have heard of in the world um swimming world the, the, the dara torres is the jenny Thompson's and, you know, the ability for you to step in. I'm just wondering what was going on for you as you helped bring these athletes through at a very pivotal time. Tell a little bit about that. Well, I mean, well, it's a really this, wonderful story.
3: This is a very interesting one. The, the head coach for the women's swim team at the time was a, a highly respected, world-class swim coach, but, name you know, Richard Quick. And he'd been multiple-time Olympian as a coach. And had brought many athletes the um, Olympic medals at different times uh, at at a different events within the swimming world, and um, one day, uh, w- uh, one day I was uh, walking back to my office, and uh, Richard stopped me. and said, "Robert, do you," I said, "Robert, do you mind if I come talk to you for a few minutes." I said, "Sure, coach, you can come by any time." So he comes by my office, and he says, uh, "He said no, he said no." He comes by my office, takes me outside, and he says, uh, "Robert, I was I was wondering um, if you'd be interested in uh, working with two of my athletes." I said, um, so the athletes? He says, yeah. I said, well, I said, well first of all, um, who are those two athletes? And then he named them, Jenny Thompson and Derek Torres. And then he says, um, I said to him, well, what are they currently doing now in terms of training and what role would you like me to play? He says, I would like you to take over their physical conditioning, and I would like you to um, you know, help these athletes grow in their strength and confidence. I said, well, what, what are they? What are they doing now? He said, well, they're actually currently working with one of the other, with one of the strength coaches on staff. Um, and I said, well, I said, well, coach, I'd love to help you, but I can't be in the middle of, uh, I can't be in the middle of a coach and, and the athletes he's working with. I said, if I, if you want me to help, I'll help you, but I have to I have to be able to help you, um, really in a situation where there's no uh, interference from other people. Otherwise, it's going to be a confusion for everyone. The next, the next day, he says, right, coach, this is all taken care of. When can you start? So I said, all right. Um, he said, are you sure? He said, yeah. So he didn't tell me who the other coach was. And um, so I, I sat down and I talked to the two athletes, and I listened to what they were trying to achieve and what they wanted to do, and I developed a training program for them. But what was, but what was interesting was, is I developed a program, and it was working. Started to work very well. And in one particular one particular instance, uh, I think it was Jenny Thompson, and she said, I hate Coach Weir. I am so sore. And then she went to a short course a race, and um, being sore as she was, and uh, Richard was looking at his watch and said, Oh, that's not bad swimming. And the, and the assistant coached him said, Not bad swimming. She's on world record pace. And it turns out she broke the world record for a short course. And then Uh, in in the event and after that there was a metamorphosis within her, where she just started to believe in anything I told her to do and you know that was a great feeling because I had no idea at the time that she had these reservations but all of a sudden she just listened and followed my instructions so after a couple of months I went by I said to a coach I said to the coach I said coach may I ask you a question he said yes I said of all the people that you could have working with these elite level athletes and they're Olympic gold medalists and things like this. So, of all the people you have, why, why did you ask me to work with your athletes? And he says, You know, Robert, don't think, I didn't, don't, think, don't think that I didn't do my homework. I've been watching you and I've been observing you with your interactions with the other athletes on your team, and I've seen the stuff that you've done with those athletes. And I felt if you could get a fraction of those things done, the athletes that I have, it would give them a competitive edge. That was a very big compliment because I had no idea that number one he was even watching, and number two anyone was even paying attention to what I was doing. So, so that was a that was a fabulous experience. It was something really, really positive. And what it did for me was oh, it reinforced the ideas that I had as a coach, and um, and upwards and onwards the athletes got a lot better.
1: I love it. I loved it. And I want to call out for listeners that. That first, that your integrity and honor and just being out front, hey, I'd love to help. Uh, I'm not going to get in the way of a, a coaching relationship. And just being really clear, even though those names, someone might, you know, just kind of jump at those. So that your integrity and honor first and foremost, um, that idea of belief and that, you know, you do have to earn it. And, but trusting the process, you trusted your process. And in trusting the process, you got your athletes to trust you and trust themselves even more. Um, and that notion of preparedness for opportunity, people think about planning their careers or what have you, but when you're doing the right things and your eyes are open um, and your willingness to serve, whether it was the organization, the coach, and these athletes, really, really uh, led to a great outcome. Amazing. Robert, really great. I appreciate your, your spending time with me. Is there any closing comment or takeaways you'd like to share with our listeners?
3: Well, a couple of closing comments. First of all, I think your, your show – is outstanding because what it's doing is it's empowering other people to have the self-confidence and to start to realize that they too can achieve things. It's really a matter of finding the right people, the right support and taking the advice and working at it. And I think your show provides an example of how they can achieve a goal to help them achieve their goal. Um, I think also that the other, my other closing comment would be it is such a pleasure to be on your show and I I'm happy to reconnect with you anytime uh, you're available, but it's really, uh, for me, an honor to be able to, show, to share Sorry, a little bit of some of my experiences that has helped turn things around for others. And if that helps you on your show, then I'm happy to do so.
1: Uh, it's a privilege to have you as a friend. I, uh, I, I can't thank you enough. Um, full of gratitude, I wish you well, and we'll, we'll be in touch soon, Robert. Thanks for being part of the solution.
3: You're very welcome. Thanks for having me.
1: And we'll switch gears now to our last caller, Paul from Chicago. Paul, thanks for joining me.
4: Oh, you're welcome, Molly. I uh, really appreciate the chance to connect with you live here.
1: This is fantastic. Uh, What uh, situation or conversations on your mind?
4: Yeah, so I'm a a coach of a different sort than Robert. You know, he's coaching these world-class athletes, which is great. I coach leaders, and... I've been really impressed by Say It skillfully, and when you decided to put this as a live dialogue on the air, I thought, wow, that's great, because to be able to, to talk with you live, I wanted to ask you a different kind of question about how to be a better leadership coach.
1: How to be a better leadership coach. So love the fact yeah, that you're helping I, your leaders be the best. So what, uh, what flavor of that is on your mind?
4: So even after doing this for about 15 years, uh, you know, I'm in my mid-50s. I'm, uh, I suppose, relatively experienced. I still struggle with how to tell people they have to do the work in order to get better. Because so many of these people, and this can range from executives to teenagers, you know, so many of these people, at least to me, I don't know if you, if you can relate, when you coach, they want the coach to provide the answer as if we're magical or we have an app or a pill or, or a two-by-two two matrix or something, and there's the answer. And I, I really, when I, when I work with somebody uh, and they, they're not quite getting it, that they have to do the work. I kind of lose my patience sometimes, and I don't know how to say that Skillfully, or whatever the right way is. So, can can you give any guidance on, on how do we make people realize they've got to do the work? When you feel like you've been telling them that, you know, for multiple meetings, and they still are asking you for the answer.
1: I love it. I love this one. Thank you. Thank you for bringing this up because this is a pet peeve of mine too, Paul. Do the work. Uh, so a <laughs> few, a few. I'm going to throw a few angles, and um, for just idea creating and maybe we can co-create some more. So for relationships that uh, you know, you've you been at this a while and you're kind of like at wit's end, I love the lightness and humor. And you sound like a very you know jovial, you've got a lightness side to you, I can tell. And so, you know, you could get a big magician's hat. You could get a big, something that would be very arresting, for the person, get a crystal ball and put your hand. Let's okay. With today's session, we're going to put our hands on the ball and people who look like, what do you, but so it's kind of a different way to connect with someone and just maybe thump them over the head a bit, but in a lightness, not in a mean way, in a lightness sort of way. So (laughs) those something like that, you know, I think you could pull that off and kind of in a flash to be like, yeah, like I don't know I've been saying this for like I've been saying this for like 3 months and so maybe that could shift for folks um, to the extent you have clients who are athletes or musicians or something where there's clear process in training I you know, I find the kind of metaphors the gardening the growing and having them talk it through and say, Yo, so you garden. Tell me a little bit about, like, what do you do and how do you get great flowers? And they take you through it. And say, okay, I'm going to say that you're the seed with this problem, and now you talk it through. With me. And they'll look at you and say, well, well, you know, how are you sowing the seeds and nurturing, fertilizing and watering? And just have them tell you, just help me understand how, how are you helping to be a big flower, or whatever the metaphor you're you're attempting to do is. That might be something... The, clearly what I'm hearing from you is yeah, you can kind of tell them all you want. You, know, you need to do this. This is what you could do. This is the work that needs to be done and it doesn't quite get through. So creating environments where people have to find the words, they have to quote unquote visualize it, see it, feel it could be ways to um, crack the code. How is that landing for you?
4: Yeah, I love it, and uh, so now I'm envisioning myself, you know, out in the garden with a magician's hat on. I wonder if I can get like the best of both worlds. Maybe we'll go for a walk in the garden for client discussion. But uh, I think that's great. Um, so let me make sure I'm hearing you right. So we can we can use that gardening metaphor, which is which is spot on in my opinion, and help the client partner realize who they are in that process. And as long as they have a clear path, as you said. Uh, to go from seed to, you know, some sort of flourishing harvest, um, great. And then if, if it gets a little, uh, I don't know, too intense or repetitive or something, then you pull out the magician's hat or whatever, the crystal ball, and, and then that, that levity you're saying can, can sometimes reach people differently than, than just a rational approach? Is that what you're suggesting?
1: Yeah, I think there's all different ways that people, that you can communicate. And, uh, you know, sometimes moving around, like I'm a kinesthetic sort of person. Lots of times it's just verbal or it's visual and work. And to ignite uh, some of the moving could help. The athletic metaphor, like lifting weights, building muscle, that might be something that could just create a different connection for someone with the work that they have to do. Now, on a more verbal level, let's just say you've been saying to this person, you need to do this. They're like, how come you haven't made me better? You could then throw out some vulnerability and, and be, be like, okay, Jane, I have failed you. You know, w- words. I, and they'll be looking, what? Said, so I feel that I've been doing X, Y, Z, and it hasn't been landing for you. And just tell them, you're, be very transparent with your experience of feeling exasperated. You may have already felt this in the nicest way. And just say, because let's switch roles. Okay. I'm you, you're me. Okay, what needs to happen? And just you know, again, play around with it because they're just—you're trying to create some kind of aha shift for them and a bit of an epiphany. And they're like, "Oh, so now, so you're me now, okay? I'm you. So, so what? What are you? What are you going to do?" <laughs> and and yeah, just yeah, that's cool. I,
4: I like that a lot.
1: That's the empathetic ever, understanding. Putting yourself in other shoes.
4: So, did you say you're like kinesthetic or something a minute ago?
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a mover, you know, like when mover. I move around, yeah, I'm a mover, you know, I, I, so, you know, obviously sports is a learning thing that you move around, but like when I'm standing and walking around and moving my arms, I'm like, that activates my brain more than if I'm just sitting and listening or whatever, it's not, it's hard for me to really be my full side. Like you don't get the best.
4: One. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I was thinking, you know, like the, the, the movement of going for a walk or something, but literally if you switch roles, maybe you switch seats in the meeting. Love you it. Know, love it right? and then, love that. then they then they kind of are, are really uh forced, I guess is a strong word, encouraged to play the different role and that might bring some new insight. And and so you you said something else that now do I have time for one more quick question? Quick thing, I think, before we get cut off. Yeah, go for it. Okay, really fast. So you, you said, you know, something to the extent of if the coach feels like saying, hey, you know, I, I haven't achieved what we wanted to, and the client's saying, yeah, you haven't made me better. The other thing that really gets me sometimes is the client says, you know, I want you to hold me accountable. And to me, that's kind of a yellow-red flag. You know, I, I don't know how you view your coaching practice or, or, or some others view their coaching practice. I, I don't want to hold somebody accountable. I'm providing some help so that they self-discover And I provide a process, as you said, to help them see the path forward. And I don't want to hold them accountable. They need to hold themselves accountable. How do I tell them that skillfully?
1: So I think that that for you could be like, how do you feel? How do you think I feel when I hear that? How do you think I feel about you when I hear that? And just see what they say. Because there's no right around, wrong. With there's accountability partners. That's a super valuable role that could happen that maybe it isn't you because they need help with that. Um, but then part of what I think you're coaching and I'm hearing you say is I want you to be your best friend. I want you to be able to hold yourself accountable in some of these situations. So, again, it, to the extent that you can help someone be in your shoes and help them see how they may be coming across in a way that they're not intending is just revealing, you know, part of the shared reality is what's going on. And then you have information you can work with. So we're gonna have to go. I uh, really appreciate you, Paul, for joining me. Uh, You can reach out to me and happy to, to talk this further offline. And that's a wrap for our show. Thanks so much for joining me on Say It Skillfully. No, I'm cheering for you to be who you are, say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed and achieve outstanding outcomes.
0: Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too.